Welcome to the best works of emerging explicit romance authors. Our curators select a wide variety of tales about the lifelong human quest. For satisfying, lasting, and meaningful expressions of sexual health. Steamy Stories Daily Podcast focuses primarily on short stories. Explicit Novels Daily Podcast presents longer format novels over a span of episodes. Subscribe to both Steamy Stories and Explicit Novels in your favorite podcasting app. And now, today's story. Vanishing Manhood, Part 6 Inside, my mind was a beaten, whipped, and shattered 18-year-old boy. Based on 1 in 10 by Final Stand, adapted into 17 parts. Listen to the podcast at Explicit Novels. A tidal wave is a slight tremor, a ripple on the water and the receding of the sea. The wave is, but the last act of the play. I trek to the metro station with the jauntiness of a 16-year-old, not a care in the world and the mind of a maniac. My neighborhood was no longer running off a cliff, we were in freefall. It turned out two of the 11 surviving males in my district were homosexual. It was bound to happen in any population of large enough size, as in the total number of males in the country. Mind you, Farad and Jimmy were doing their part. They had sex with woman and were apparently rather good at it, performing above standards and more than the required once every 28 days. That didn't matter. They were homosexuals and they had to be corrected so a tactical unit went after them Sunday afternoon. Unfortunately, both Farad and Jimmy knew something was up, or were simply sick of the sneaking around. They had a plan. They had converted a van into a mini-mobile home, complete with multiple propane canisters. They also made zip guns to defend themselves. The tactical team knew about the guns, but not about the canisters so they went in with rubber bullets. Sadly, rubber bullets penetrate propane canisters and electricity, aka tasers, ignites the gas. I'm not sure how many canisters they had but the resulting explosion vibrated glasses in my condo a kilometer away. Scratch two more sperm jockeys. Now there were only nine of us, actually, only eight, but I didn't know about the one who had vanished a few hours earlier, yet. Inside my mind was a beaten, whipped and shattered 18-year-old boy rattling the bars of his cage and screaming at me to stop what I was doing. He begged me to save myself the humiliation and pain. I couldn't listen to him anymore. Hiding hadn't been surviving, it had been delaying the inevitable. I wasn't fighting, that would be stupid. I was resisting. I was wearing really nice jeans, courtesy of Bethany, a nice white shirt with the sleeves partially rolled up, with a tailored jacket over one arm and a satchel strapped across my body. I also had a 12-inch baton with the handle taped to give me a firmer grip. I smiled, nodded to a few ladies and even said hello to a few others. Basically, all the wrong things for a man to do, unless he's a prostitute. I doubt any of them noticed the baton. That wasn't the wood they were looking at. The first one wasn't even remotely difficult. The predators had gotten sloppy, lazy, arrogant, and careless. She was blonde, mid-thirties maybe and I'd seen and been groped by her before. She breezed up behind me, patted my ass and was about to say hey or something like that. I snatched the hand that had just touched me, yanked it up and smacked her in the head with the baton. It was meant to sting, not crack her head open and I'd been practicing last night. Ow! What the, she squawked. You sexually assaulted me, I was defending myself, I grinned savagely. 
We can check the video from the camera, I'm standing well in view of if you like. You hit her, Fatima came, sputtering my way. It would certainly look that way, wouldn't it, I kept smiling. Why? She sexually assaulted me, I reiterated. All I did was touch you, the first woman said. Check your laws, ladies, I used my authoritative tone. Touching another person without their consent is assault. Touching a person in a sexual zone, in my case, the lips, pubic area or buttocks is considered sexual assault. Also according to the law, I am allowed to defend myself or another person under threat of harm, with enough force necessary to remove myself or that person from danger, I lectured. All she did was touch your ass, a third woman joined in. They were really starting to gather around now. The metro was almost here. And I hit her with a stick for doing it too, I glared at her. You can't run around beating people with a stick, Fatima threatened me. As long as it is in self-defense, I most certainly can, as can any citizen, I pointed out. What twisted evil thought process could make any of you think you can touch another person against their will? Come on now, that's just sick. But you are a guy, a fourth woman struggled and failed to make sense of the situation. That's discrimination and that's against the law too, I flashed her a bright smile. The metro arriving put an end to the conversation, but I had to put knots on the foreheads of two more women before I made it to my seat. The metro cop came for me two stops down the line. I wasn't belligerent, I handed over the baton when requested and I watched her fend off the angry commuters around me. I had the law right. I explained that I couldn't afford a taxi so this was my only way to work. The police officer informed the women that I was legally correct and to stop antagonizing me, hallelujah. The best part was after the cop left and the metro started rolling again. The women were seriously looking for some payback. I grinned, unzipped my satchel and drew forth my second dowel. They looked flabbergasted. Yeah bitches, I'm smarter than you are, I chuckled. None of them harassed me. It wasn't much of a victory. In their minds my resistance was all my fault, not theirs. Anyway, groping was something women did casually. They weren't expecting a connection. I had robbed them of their second shot of espresso in the morning, that's all. Or, it would be all, if it was only me. As I told a disbelieving angel, I had a plan. Coming out of the metro stop by City Hall, I caught sight of a woman who nearly caused my heart to freeze in fear. It was one more step and I took it. She saw me and looked cocky. I smiled and headed right toward her. I imagined she was about to inflict, further, pain on my person when I wrapped her up in a hug. Her colleague looked equally dubious as to my intent. Flame. I greeted her. How the hell are you doing? I kept my arms around her, tightling back so we could make eye contact while my crotch was pressed against her stomach. I hadn't realized how much shorter she was than me during our first encounter, the one where she beat me half to death. We need to talk, Flame regarded me quizzically. She was insane, if not insane like me. Sure, I nodded. I leaned in, kissed Flame, aka Bridget, on the lips then turned us so that we both faced up the sidewalk to City Hall. She slid a hand around my waist and I followed suit. Miss me? Flame teased. Every time I breathe was the proper reply. With all the same chicks around me, I sighed. I think you're the only one who understands. Flame found that hilarious. She was a raving psychopath after all. 
My hand started stroking her ass. Flame actually leaned into me in what might have been construed as a romantic gesture. I sure as hell wasn't going to ask her. The three of us arrived at a doorway somewhat off the well-traveled path. Little M wants to see you, Flame purred, holding me face to face and close. Prometheus at 12.30 tomorrow for lunch. Flame's buddy still looked like she expected me to rabbit at any second, which I found oddly amusing. Where would I go? Are you going to be there? I murmured to Flame. Yeah, she rubbed up against me. I'll show up, I agreed. I kissed Flame again but this time with much more passion. As I broke it off and returned to the route to work, I smiled at the other mobster. I know, she's going to end up driving an ice pick through my eye somewhere along the line, but it will be worth it, I referred to Flame. I couldn't tell what the goon thought. I love this guy, Flame laughed and slapped her buddy. He's tons of fun. Until that encounter, I thought nothing could make me even remotely happy to city CH security. They did their usual rigmarole but when they came to my small collection of batons, they become curious. What are these for, one asked me. They're curtain dowels, with surgical tape so they don't slip, I replied innocently. They are awfully small, she noted. Small windows, I bantered back. She put them back in my satchel and handed it to me. Had I given a crap I would have complained to Francesca about the intellectual quality of our security force. Admittedly, curtain dowels aren't great weapons, but still, it is a 12-inch freaking stick. I whistled as I left, in the elevator and down the hall to my workstation as if this was the best day ever. Bethany homed in on me immediately. What are you wearing? She blinked. Clothes you bought for me some time ago, I replied pleasantly. That's not proper work attire, she explained. Yep. You got that right. Is there any other obvious things you want to point out, or can we get to work now? I kept grinning. Israel, what's gotten into you? Bethany was getting annoyed. You are right, I nodded. That is a problem we should address. Come with me, I demanded as I grabbed her by the wrist and started to drag her out of the office. What's going on, she resisted. As you pointed out, there is a problem of what's gotten into who and I think I can correct that, I said happily. We are going to have sex, now, she gulped. Now or never again, I told her. Your choice. She had claimed I was the best dick she'd ever had and I was about to find out if that was true. She came along meekly. I rushed us into the women's room, pushed her into a stall and bent her over a toilet. Israel, I'd like, ow, she yelped as I yanked her panties off. Unless she had a spare set in her desk, Bethany was going commando for the rest of the workday. She tried to turn around but I wouldn't let her. Thankfully, Bethany always warmed up quickly because I had neither the desire nor time for some good canillingness. I did have time for a good hard fucking though and I slammed the hell out of her. Bethany tried to remain in control and quiet but I knew all her weak spots and I doubled up on them all. She was howling and screaming to God Almighty just like the old days. If she thought this was an apology, she was sorely mistaken. She was sore alright and this was punishment. Unlike all my previous efforts which had been fueled by love, this fucking was driven by hate, rage and a desire to inflict pain. Bethany couldn't even grasp the significance though she felt this was something new for us. Bethany didn't even care that she was being screwed by a man who was clearly unhinged. 
Only after I left her a crumpled heap on the bathroom floor did she wearily look up and realize I was still hard. You didn't come, she whispered. She was pretty hoarse. Of course not. I'm not letting you or your mother within a thousand meters of my sperm, I patted her on the head. Let's get to work. I showed up 30 minutes early to work because I was in my second week of training. Bethany and I were seriously late getting back to our desks. No one said a thing. They just looked. I took perverse pleasure when Bethany actually stumbled getting to her station. She looked like she'd been hammered by a hurricane and couldn't decide if she liked it or not. I think way back when, they called that a grudge fuck. I hadn't surrendered to Bethany, I had used her like she used me, for my own selfish reasons and profit. I had unleashed plenty of negative energy that would complicate things later. I needed to be as reasonable as possible and she'd helped me with that, by giving me her body and letting me use it as I wished, if not how she intended. I didn't feel bad about it one bit. I hadn't lost ground. I hadn't turned Bethany into a faceless entity. I had come at her knowing right who she was and what she deserved, from one royally pissed off human being to another, should have been more fucking careful about what she asked for, human being. I didn't last two minutes at my desk before Francesca summoned me. Care to explain, she scanned my clothing. All I can say is that I apologize if I disappoint you, Miss Francesca Silverhorn. You have tried really hard to be decent to me, I gave her the first genuine smile of the morning. But, she waited for it. But, in next year's dictionary they are going to have my picture beside the definition of aggressive, I shrugged. It will probably do double billing with dumbass. Francesca laughed. She didn't even try to hold it in. Good luck with that initiative, Mr. Jensen, she chuckled. We were both going to hell. There is a press conference at 10.30 concerning the Federation's new program. It is called Men's Action League. It plans to further invest men in the governing process. Wow, my career is going to end sooner than I thought it was, I snorted in amusement. Anything else I need to know before I go, Captain my Captain? I really liked her. GNN and a half dozen other stations are covering this live. You're microscopically famous now and yet they sense an epic public relations catastrophe in the making, Francesca fed me the news, and they want to be there when it happens. I won't let you down, Jeff, I smirked. That's what I'm afraid of, she shook her head. But, I'm starting to think the future isn't going to be all that bright and cheery anyway. I gave a crummy salute, about-faced, and returned to my desk. There was a notice on my computer to contact Ms. Cho. Damn it, how was I supposed to get any work done? I called and she told me come right up. Are we ever going to finish what you started last Monday? I teased. Was it only one week? Maybe, Miss Cho sounded coy. Fat chance I'd ever do anything with her. She was an evil henchman. Okay, I laughed because she didn't have a clue to her own barbarity. I warned Francesca where I was off to then headed up to the mayor's chief of staff's offices. Miss Cho gave me a smile then waved me in. Whatever Isabel was going to say was lost when she caught sight of me. What are you wearing? She snapped clothes? I responded. That didn't seem to mollify her. Casual clothes? Get into the proper attire before the news conference and you'd better not fuck it up or what security did to you Thursday will seem like a walk in the park after I get through with you. Do you understand? 
Ms. Diaz growled. I understand, I parroted back. I understood that I didn't give a damn about what she said. Come on, it wasn't like I woke up thinking this was Sunday. I knew exactly what I was doing, who it would piss off and how little I would care about that. Fine. Now what did Magdalena Keverich want with you, we got down the reason I was there. Me in particular? No clue. I know she wasn't happy with my performance, she likes people to watch and she's very demanding, I informed Isabel. What did she want to know about me? About us, she pressed. Us? Lady, there is no us, I grew angry. I don't know you and I don't want to know you. Screw it all, I didn't want to go to your damn party, I didn't want to meet her and I certainly don't want to relate my shitty experience to you, I added. Let me straighten you out, if you were drowning, I'd toss you an anchor. If you were asleep in the tub, I'd pour in quick drying cement then hold you under with a broom. If you were paralyzed, I'd cover you in honey and leave you in the path of army ants. Are we clear now? I growled. I hate you. I hate what you represent. I hate this whole sick society that allows you to exist and prosper. You didn't answer my question, Isabel kept trying to break me with her eyes. Ugh, I sighed. I don't know anything but if I did, I wouldn't tell you. I don't know in what nightmarish fantasy you imagine that woman would tell me anything, but glaring at me isn't going to help. You can't touch me. I can't, she replied sinisterly. Yes, ma'am. I've made my peace with God and said goodbye to the ones I love, I snickered. I'm bulletproof. I saw the light go off in her eyes. She finally realized I'd lost my mind. There was no rational response to my challenge because I was no longer rational. Circumstances had intervened so that I simply couldn't go away either. There were too few men left and I had a flicker of popularity. She wanted to believe that she'd get me later, but she had looked into my soul and knew I had no later. This was it. Her ability to grind me up was only a threat if I planned to leave anything to be ground. We are done here, I dismissed her. I turned and walked away. We are done when I say we're done, she seated. I already had the door open and was halfway out. I raised up my left hand like a sock puppet. Did you hear something? I asked my hand. It sounded like a feminine poof, my hand responded in a shrill voice. Whatever it was, I nodded sagely to my hand, we had better not hang around in case it stinks up the room. There were six people and Miss Cho in the office, staring at me with wide eyes. I could hear Isabel's blood boiling. Have a good morning everyone, I waved to the room and quickly exited the main door. I decided that the elevator was a trap so I took the stairs instead. I didn't get two feet inside the door before Selma pointed me to Francesca's office. Oh, God, Francesca moaned. I'm stunned my screen didn't melt. What did you do this time? Ah, um, ah, I struggled for the words. I dismissed her from our conversation and while exiting her main office, I insulted her with a hand or sock puppet in front of witnesses. Wow, you do realize you now qualify for two minority hires, you are male and clearly mentally handicapped, Francesca tried not to smirk. You are welcome, boss, I grinned. Oh, and she wants you in proper attire when you get on stage in 20 minutes. I promised her you would be. Do you plan to change, she inquired. Nope, I rolled my shoulders. Okay, she nodded. Just checking. 
You need to be briefed by Selma on the latest developments. Are you and Bethany reconciling? No, I drew that out. I used her for my own carnal frustrations, that's all. We know, Francesca looked amused. We all know. We had some women from the second floor come up to see if someone was dying or being murdered. In the future, you might want to offer another girl in the office a chance, take that as a suggestion. Hmm, second floor. We were on the fourth floor. This building had pretty good acoustics. I walked over to Selma. You know your co-workers respect you when they attribute godlike powers to your actions. We are going to die, aren't we? Selma stared at me intently. We are going to lose our jobs and be blackballed from anything associated with broadcast and internet journalism, right? We may go down Selma, but we will take a whole bunch with us when we go, I assured her. That is no comfort whatsoever, you idiot, Selma glared. Now, here is what you need to know, she began. That's when I learned that my district had lost another one, leaving us at eight. According to the geniuses who developed the sex quota system, I now had to serve a 625 woman. I wasn't sure how that was supposed to work. That was nearly two women a day, every day each and every year until I died. By law, I only had to have sex 13 times a year which would mean each woman could only expect sex once every five years. I sensed a flaw in the plan. Stop giggling, Selma hissed. You are scaring the crap out of the girls. Ah, a few people were counting lifeboats on the Titanic it seemed. I stopped being unmanly then gave Selma the mathematical data I had just come up with. Oh damn it, she groaned. Don't bring this up. Fat chance, I grinned evilly. Selma threw up her hands and stormed off to Francesca's office. A minute later Francesca and Selma came out. Ladies, anyone who wants to retroactively call in sick today and avoid being associated with this fiasco, you may do so, Francesca Silverhorn announced. The two married women and a third older lady gathered their belongings and left. I was surprised Selma stuck it out. As far as I could tell, she hated me. Israel, can you give us a clue as to what we should be preparing for? Tabitha inquired with a surprisingly upbeat attitude. I looked to Francesca who gave me a motherly go-ahead. Short version, we are going under, this society, I started off. The government is lying about male births, covering up the increasing rate of male miscarriages, and that the gender plague is getting stronger and at an increasing rate. It is not just here, but all over the planet. Humanity is sliding into extinction. The immediate concern is that if you are in the economic bottom 90% of the female population, there are not going to be enough men for you and the crunch is setting in, I explained. My district is slated for 125 males my age. As of this morning, it has eight. I let that sink in. Can't the men work harder? Wanda stepped up. I wasn't insulted, too much. I hear they are going to tighten up the Gender Inequality Act, move the cycle to 14 days, she added. Wanda, good question, and that's the beauty of this disaster, I was darkly mirthful. The governments have known this for almost two decades. The cause of the plague getting more deadly is stress. The more you stress your male population, the quicker your male birth rate plummets, I stated. It becomes a vicious cycle. Your birth rate drops, you put more pressure on the males which makes your rate plummet faster. What do we do? Bethany mumbled. 
ask you mom, Bethany. She is the one who told me most of this stuff, I let the room focus on her for a moment. What do we do? I don't know. Women started down this path 40 years ago when they passed the Gender Inequality Act. If you could have been saved, that train came and went 20 years ago when your scientists first figured out what was happening. 10 years ago they stopped enforcing the gender quotas in 12 of the poorest districts of the city. Look it up if you don't believe me, I said. Look under registered complaints, not the official city records. Until last year, every time a district accumulated enough complaints, they rotated a group of guys in but all they did was steal them from other poor, underpopulated areas, I revealed. What happened last year? Selma spoke first. As far as the people I worked with can tell, they stopped giving a crap, I sighed. Too many districts were perpetually below 80%. They started quietly padding the higher income districts first. When the marriage rates spiked this spring, the system began to fail. The pressure was building up on low-income men, so when the opportunity arrived, they pledged their nuptials and bailed out of their already reeling neighborhoods, I continued. As of this moment, I am one of eight men in my age group in my district. There are supposed to be 125. My district is extreme, but virtually all the other poor districts are running between 20 and 30% of their quota, I kept watching the faces pale around me. You can also look at the school rolls for any track in the public school system. You can see a consistent decline in the male population by going back each class year, I had them now. How come no one has spoken up on this? Francesca questioned. Why? What would it accomplish? Who wants to be the first to stand up on the sinking ship and scream we are all going to die? I replied. Why are we doing this? Selma shook her head. We aren't journalists. We are part of the civil government. We are supposed to keep the people calm. Who are you serving by hiding the truth? I asked calmly. No one in my neighborhood, but you are helping the people upstairs, the ones lying to the rest of you. That was my best pitch. The people around me were civilian bureaucrats. They were not nonconformists, anarchists, public crusaders, or dispatch writers of the apocalypse. Outside of Bethany Fremont, none of them appeared to be politically motivated. They had nice, safe lives and I was a raving lunatic. Francesca? Tabitha pled with her leader for direction. Israel, do you have anything else? Francesca pressed me. I had one ace left up my sleeve and I had saved it for this debate. Argentina, I told Tabitha. Check out their government's Department of Public Health's population projections. Not what is published with the WHO or UN, but what they are telling their own people, I told her. Tabitha turned to the closest system and began typing away. She was our research whiz, so it was you take ladies her later. She put her hand to her mouth. The other women gathered around Tabitha and began reading the translated document. No one congratulated me for being right. I had just murdered their hopes of great grandchildren, if not their grandchildren. Selma, start working up a public release on whatever factual data we can gather, Francesca took charge once more. Focus on what we can do to make the best of this situation. We have to have hope, but peddling lies at this point will be counterproductive, she laid out a strategy. Bethany, you are coming with Israel and me. When Bethany joined us, 
Francesca told her to stay put then retrieved her purse from her office. Before leaving, I got a baton from my satchel and stuck it in my back pocket. Aren't you going to change? Bethany questioned. No time, Francesca answered for me. As we went down in the elevator, I flashed Francesca a smile that Bethany missed. Bethany wasn't there for support. She was with us because Francesca didn't trust her not to tip off the powers that be if she was left alone. Security was likely to mug me on the stage as it was. Being jumped before I could get before the press would be disastrous for my little band of rebels, technically Francesca's band of rebels. Francesca maneuvered me on stage before the press secretary, Naomi List, knew what was going on. Eloise Granger looked like she was about to fall out of her chair laughing, she looked poised, but I could tell. She felt entitled to ask me a question before things got started. Casual Mondays, Eloise grinned. I woke up in a good mood this morning, I smiled back. The cops blew up two of my homosexual neighbors yesterday and then another guy took an unscheduled vacation to God knows where last night. I'm now one of eight. You find that amusing, another reporter groused. Lady, I was being sarcastic, I responded. There are supposed to be 125 men of my age in my district. There are eight. If you don't think that scares the crap out of me, you need to cut back on whatever medication you are taking, I stared at her. Can we please start the press conference? Naomi interrupted. No one protested so she did her short spiel then introduced the mayor. The mayor intentionally snubbed me. She had more than the usual number of lackeys today, including the police commissioner and a woman who was probably important, but I didn't have a clue who she was. Isabel was in the background, sending evil wishes my way. The mayor unveiled the new federation program, the Male Action League. The message was the government cares about you helpless males, we really do. We care so much we are going to give you a state-sponsored arena where you can do your state-approved complaining so that we can keep ignoring you. Those weren't her words, but that was the gist of it. It was long on promises. It proved not a single avenue for men to actually help themselves, or even lobby for the redress of grievances. Zip zero not a political or legal power. In theory, rallies would be a good place to round us up if they felt like it. In a short while, most men would figure out they were wasting their time and stop showing up. Then the women could blame the men for our indifference. As the mayor started taking questions, I could see Eloise preparing like a panthress to strike, but the mayor was avoiding her. She couldn't avoid Maribel Cartwright from GNN, they were the freaking world news leader. Maribel, the mayor tried to sound pleasant. Israel, what do you think of this development? The reporter addressed me. Mr. Jensen is not really an expert on this policy, the mayor jumped in. Madam Mayor, he's a man. This is a policy that concerns men, solely men in fact, Maribel countered. The mayor looked like she was being force-fed lemon rinds. Make it short, Mr. Jensen, the mayor commanded. I'll take that under advisement, I joked. There it was, my break with reality. I wasn't a great speaker, an intellectual or even enlightening. I was their dancing bear, the monkey with the unseen organ grinder and the tap dancing sensation. The all-female press corps wasn't leaning in for information. They had gathered for a train wreck and I hadn't planned on disappointing them. This thing, it is kind of insulting to call it a policy, I'll call it MAL, is stupid, I began. Don't you dare. 
Francesca screamed at the top of her lungs. The security that had been closing in on me unseen froze up. The mayor looked around confused. Isabel tapped the police commissioner. Take him off stage, the police commissioner directed the security guards. They started closing in again. No, Francesca shouted again. If you wanted him gone, you should have brought some damn police officers, you moron. The security looked uncertain. Shut up. Isabel shouted at Francesca. Get him, she then yelled at security. No, Francesca growled. City Hall security are civil government employees, not part of the police department and not political appointees. As the ranking civil employee here, I'm telling all civil security personnel to back down, immediately, Francesca snarled angrily. Fine, the mayor snapped. You are fired. File the proper paperwork, you incompetent boob, Francesca turned on her supposed boss. It should take three or four days, she continued. Until then, shut up and take your medicine. The mayor blinked in surprise over the ferocity of the attack, then tried to gracefully exit the stage. Don't any of you dare try to leave. If you do, I'll have you arrested. What for? Isabel growled. Disrupting a public forum, Francesca gloated triumphantly. Israel, you were saying? Oh yeah, it took me a second. Francesca had really floored me. MAL is a bad idea because it assumes men are stupid and does nothing to address the problem this society faces. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The human race is dying. Before you consider me a hopeless whack job, I started. Too late, one of the reporters called out. Thanks but we hardly know each other, I grinned. I'll have to rely on you to do most of the fact-finding, but I can tell you where to start proving me right. In Argentina, five years ago, the successful male birth rate had slipped from the normal 1 in 20 to 1 in 30. Last year it was 1 in 50. In two more years they predict the rate will plunge to 1 in 100. That's their government's figures. You don't have to be in healthcare to realize that is a clear path to extinction. In China, they are telling the world everything is okay. That makes Amnesty International wonder why the abortion of female fetuses have risen 1000% in the past 10 years. If things are okay, why are they killing their unborn female population? If you think that doesn't happen here, in this very city, answer me this. The sale of boys' jumpers, a friend had to tell me that's child's clothing, has dropped 30% in the past 10 years in this city alone, I told them. Are 18-month-old boys running around naked or dressed up as girls? Girls' jumper sales have remained constant. Official birth data would suggest that someone is running around naked. If the numbers are being juggled then who has that kind of authority and access? Among a few other interesting things I learned this weekend, I was told that the gender plague is becoming more aggressive. Fewer men are being born, more male fetuses develop fatal mutations resulting in miscarriages, and more babies aren't making their first year. The leading cause for this phenomena is stress. The more males get stressed, the less fertile they become. The government has known about this for 20 years, I related. Speaking of which, how was your weekend, Israel, Eloise smirked. I nodded and started taking off my shirt. The women paid close attention because I'm somewhat of a good-looking man. My shirt dropped and the room went silent. What happened, one of the reporters that wasn't normally my friend asked. 
I went to Isabel Diaz's party Saturday night, was sold at auction and when I failed to perform sexually to expectations, I was beaten until I was curled into a fetal ball on the floor, crying my eyes out. But, it gets better, I winked at the reporter who had taken my sarcasm badly earlier. Sunday morning, on an unrelated investigation, two GED officers came to my residence. I got into one of their faces because, having been beaten up, I was cranky. I didn't touch her but I did call her pathetic. She hit me. It is called tuning up by the police. If you are a guy and mouth off to the police, you will get tuned up. It is a fact of life. I was taken downtown, pressured about a case they had no intention of charging me in and then they forced me to have a physical examination to prove these bruises weren't self-inflicted. Yet somehow a toothless, gutless M.A.L. is going to change any of this? How? It isn't and it will fail because it is nothing more than women taking care of man and you've been fucking that up for the past 40 years. No one knew what to say, so Eloise was forced to move things along. What do you suggest? If you think women are doing it wrong, and have been doing it wrong, what can we do, she inquired. Don't know and don't care, I shrugged. I'm exiting this feminine hell as soon as possible. As far as I am concerned, you are getting what you deserve due to your passive dehumanization and indifference to our dignity. There are eight women I care about in this world and only one is in this room and most of you are not her. In case you wonder how desperate I am, I received a call early Sunday morning. It was from the group claiming to stealing men across this nation. The text inquired if I wanted to leave. It took me about three seconds to decide, and it only took that long because I was beside the sleeping form of the woman I love, it was almost the truth. Telling them Angel was awake wouldn't do anyone any good. I replied yes. Why am I confessing this now? The police have been powerless to stop these people so far and I have zero faith in them improving because current law enforcement is an institution manned by women for women. Don't get indignant, after all, what is the GED if not a force to control men? Ever since the passing of the Gender Inequality Act, this has stopped being a country for men. I know it was an attempt to stave off extinction when faced by a disease we didn't and still don't understand. Did any of you ever question why our numbers weren't recovering? Did you plan to keep us under your thumbs forever? I wear a bracelet that records my sexual history. It's hooked up to a database where women can post public comments about my sexual prowess. There is no such database for women. Why? Because you don't care what we think, I stared angrily at them in their numbers. Actually, if any of you care what I think about your future actions, paraphrasing what a woman I like told me, the question is not how you keep existing, but if you are worthy of continuing to exist. There you go Capri, you are almost famous. This is a uniquely female decision because after generations of control, you have left men virtually incapable of defending themselves. The majority will submit because they have no choice and you lose. A small few will go down swinging, like what happened in Denver. They die and you lose. A few are going to come to grips with the reality that you treat us as less than human, at least less than you, return the favor and go somewhere, anywhere, else so that they can live in dignity as the lights go out. You lose. That's crap, my favorite conservative reporter chimed in. Men do their part and they are still citizens. You're nuts. Really? I pulled out my small baton. Do you know what this is? It is a weapon and not a very potent one, that woman snapped. 
Actually, it is a section of a five-foot curtain dowel. I bought it from the warehouse depot. Dowels are on aisle L2. This, I pointed to the handle, is surgical tape, aisle C3. Now, you take your standard 5-foot curtain dowel over to the saw table and a nice lady named Wendy can cut it into 12-inch sections for you. You cover the bottom 4 inches in surgical tape to give you a semi-sticky, sweat-resistant surface to hold onto. You may now hang a curtain over a very small window. While you are waiting for that opportunity, you can carry it around, it is not illegal. If, perhaps, someone assaults you, you can grab them to verify they are your assaulter and pop them a good one in the forehead. The forehead is useful because it raises a red wealth that lasts for a few hours and allows other citizens to recognize the molester for who and what they are, I grinned. Wait, Maribel looked at me critically, are you telling men to start beating up women? Oh God, no, I declared. The entire police force are women. There would be tasers going off left, right and center. No, I'm telling everyone that no citizen has the right to lay hands on any other citizen. That is called assault. If they touch you on the lips, breasts, crotch, and or ass, it is sexual assault. If you are assaulted, grab the offender to properly identify them, then, defend yourself. Men, if you do this and a police officer asks for it, give the dowel to them peacefully. If you have a large enough covered object, such as my satchel, put a spare in there. The police do not have the right to search it. Insist on your rights. If they remove you from your location or locomotion, press charges against your attacker. You will lose. You will probably end up in a cell and most likely end up on drugs, I successfully remained calm. A dozen of cops had entered the area. Men, we cannot outmuscle the cops. There is no victory in the normal sense. We were betrayed by women decades ago. This society is a dying beast which is bent on perpetuating its cruelty to the bitter end. Face your end on your terms, that's all I'm saying, I pleaded. That's enough, the police commissioner stepped forward. Get him out of here. And tomorrow, I said as I waved farewell, I'll talk about the cure for the plague, Carabolix 37. Look it up. By now, I got out as the uniformed police swarmed me. For the sake of the cameras, they were gentle and I was not resisting. Technically, what I had done was not illegal, just counterproductive to any hope of career advancement. They even took my dowel. Francesca and Bethany were swept up with me. We were all taken to the unused city council chamber. I'm Bethany Fremont, the woman nearly wept. You can't do this to me. Let me call my mother, please. Bethany, they haven't taken our phones away, Francesca sighed in exasperation. I was already on the phone to Capri. She'd seen my kamikaze act and was on her way. I noticed the cops giving me furtive looks. It took me a second to realize what I must look like, shirtless and not an unblemished spot on my torso. Bethany was sobbing to someone who appeared to be her mother's personal assistant, mom was busy. I noticed one patrol woman, younger than the rest, who seemed overly curious. What happened to you, she finally inquired. You failed me, I responded. What, no, how, she rambled. Be quiet, an older cop cautioned me by placing a hand on my shoulder from behind. No, I regarded the one behind me. I'm sitting here, black and blue, and there is no one in jail for what happened to me and there never will be. How could this possibly rate as a job success to you? 
The older policewoman squeezed on my collarbone. I grimaced as I looked back up. I suggest the taser if you want to make an impression, dipshit, I growled at her. I can clearly take more of a physical beating than thugs like you are prepared to dish out. She squeezed harder, I ground my teeth to stop from screaming and pounded my fist into the back of the chair in front of me. Are you going to shut up now? The older cop whispered once her pressure let up. You insipid cow, if I didn't give in to women willing to beat me to death, why would I give in to you? I seethed. Pain was coming my way again. Try that on me, Francesca turned, stood, and looked the cop over, or does your courageous act only encompass abusing, defenseless men? Sit down, two cops said simultaneously. Please sit, I warned Francesca. If you stand, they can get you for resisting. To the freshly minted cop, I picked up our exchange. She's Isabel Diaz. I'm sure you will find dozens of corroborating witnesses somewhere between the Fountain of Youth and the Seven Cities of Gold. That's the mayor's chief of staff, the young cop gasped. Don't sweat it, I grinned at her. Do what the rest of your sister cops are doing, absolutely nothing. I didn't expect anything different from you. Don't let this asshole get inside your head, Passy, the older cop menaced me. He is getting what he deserves soon enough, she added. That's rich, Francesca chuckled as she sat down. We all are going to get what we deserve. If you don't have children by now, your chances are dwindling fast. I have a child, a son, Officer Passy volunteered. That explains some things. Has he gotten sick yet? I queried. Every boy got the plague in their first year. It killed nine out of ten of us, or so authorities claimed. No, she tried to sound hopefully but what she was obviously frightened. Oh, well, there is something that could increase his odds from the current 7 or 8% to around 60% survival, but I'm not going to tell you what it is, I glared. Why? Passy's voice held a mother's despair. Stop it, both of you, the older cop snapped. She tried to smack the back of my head, but I slid out of my chair to my knees facing sideways. Why? You failed the do I deserve to live test, I explained. You willingly sat back and did nothing while this ogre tried to break my collarbone, so I'm sitting back and doing nothing for you. You decided to forfeit your son's life when you heard a report of a crime and did nothing. You voted to cover our own ass so your ass will grow old alone in your home, I stared at her. But he's a man, like you, Passy pleaded. It dawned on me this may not have been her first son. Do you want to see your son, beaten like I am, abused by this bitch behind me while waiting to be punished for exhibiting his right to free speech? Who is more fucked up for wishing this on another human being, you or me? I challenged her. Shut up, the older cop growled. She was climbing over the seat to get at me. He deserves a chance to live, Passy begged. Any possible reply to that was shut down by the ogre grabbing hold of the back of my neck. Stop it, she ordered. I stopped. Sergeant, Passy switched her appeal to her higher-ranking officer. He's yanking your chain, nothing more, the sergeant insisted. He's had five sons, three who have lived, Francesca spoke up again. He certainly must know something. What is it? Passy asked Francesca. He hasn't told me, but I'm starting to agree with his assessment about law enforcement. I'm being held against my will with no idea what I'm being charged with, Francesca smirked. If you officers are the finest examples of what it means to be human, 
I think we have lost the right to continue on as a species. You are as nutty as he is, the sergeant said dismissively. This means so much coming from a woman who inflicted pain on a man not under arrest for talking, talking, she repeated. If that makes me insane, fine. The rest of you have clearly lost touch with any shred of humanity. Any further thoughts upon that vein were lost as the doors flew open and a host of officials streamed in. It didn't take an Ouija board to figure out they were beyond pissed. They were apoplectic. A laundry boy had just told the third-class steerage passengers that the Titanic was going down, the water was death and the rich were fleeing with the only lifeboats, before the rich had actually gotten away with it. The captain was furious, since her initial plans did not have her going down with the ship. By captain, I didn't mean the mayor, she was a bit player. I was talking about the president of the goddamn North American Federation. Thank you GNN. To the men of our nation, I was Rich Rescorla, begging them to get out before the tower went down. To the women, I is more like John Brown, stirring up trouble without any concern for the chaos that would followed. That was wrong. I did have concerns, but since I also had so little power, I didn't feel guilty about telling the villains exactly who and what they were. They had made this bed of lies. I had simply dropped the match on it. Isabel Diaz was in the background, on her phone, deep in intense conversation. The mayor was trying to create some sort of damage control with Naomi List, the press secretary. The police commissioner was glaring at us and making every other cop in the room feel small. The last woman, who I didn't know, was staring at me intently, as if I'd done something wrong. Check that, done something spectacularly wrong. Francesca Silverhorn, my boss at City Hall's public relation department, stood up even as I reached to pull her down. You can't hold us here, Francesca declared. We have done nothing illegal. Sit down, the police commissioner yelled. Francesca didn't get a chance to decide. The cop behind her grabbed her shoulder and neck, slamming her back to her seat. Boss, your first lesson on being an honorary man, don't give the police an excuse to hurt you because they gladly will, I said just above a whisper. Shut up, you bastard, the commissioner growled at me. Both of you, just shut the hell up. Francesca looked at me fearfully. I winked then quickly mouthed do what they say, exactly. It took her a second, but she got it. We both looked straight ahead. In short order, Isabel traversed over to Bethany, pulled her aside and engaged her in quiet conversation. Bethany was betraying the rest of Francesca's office who had stayed for my little bombshell and were likely to pay for that with their livelihoods. The mayor came at us first. This is what we are going to do, she began. Mr. Jensen, you are going to make a recorded retraction then commit yourself to a mental health facility of my choosing. Miss Silverhorn, you will resign, stating mental fatigue brought about by your sexual fascination with Mr. Jensen. This is not a debate. This is how it is. I looked at Francesca. She looked at me. I smiled, she smiled, and then we turned as one and smiled at the mayor. We didn't bother disguising that this was a no way in hell, bitch smile either. Mr. Jensen, you will go first, the mayor commanded. I kept sitting. The cop, a sergeant, tried to pull me up but was hampered by the fact that I still hadn't put my shirt on and I wasn't about to let her put me in a headlock. Get in there, the police commissioner motioned Officer Passy and a third cop into the tight confines of the auditorium seating in the city council chamber. What am I being arrested for? I called out.
Inciting to riot, the police commissioner snapped. No, the unknown woman yelled at the PC. I want a lawyer. I crowed triumphantly. I demand my Miranda rights. You idiot, the unknown woman snarled at the PC, who was both annoyed, yet afraid of this unknown woman, and every cop in the room knew exactly what had happened. This wasn't some back alley beatdown, or a correction inside my apartment, this was an official arrest with over 20 cops and a dozen civilians all standing around. They couldn't all be trusted to keep their mouths shut, so they had to respect my rights for the moment. Whomever that woman was, she had saved me a shitload of unwelcome coercion that was definitely coming down the pipeline, and she didn't look happy about it. What did I do? The PC asked my unknown savior. Who are you, anyway? I gazed at the woman as the cops closed in. She's Shalia Montagnard, chief civil affairs attorney for the federal district attorney's office, Francesca answered to me. The mayor had already buried her face in her hand. She was a former local district attorney, after all. You want to know what you did? Shalia regarded the PC, why don't we have his LAWIR tell you when she shows up, because God knows, we can't ask him anymore. Fine, I'll release him on lack of evidence, the PC tried to save herself. Isabel looked hopeful, but the mayor sobbed and Shalia lowered her head to mask her emotions. You created a crime, Shalia explained bitterly. The crime and thus the criminal investigation doesn't go away, but you have managed to dismiss the man in question. Congratulations. Good point, I chuckled. I'm out of here. The three cops around me weren't letting me go. A little help here? I wasn't planning on leaving because that would make me delusional. Fine, I'll rearrest him, the PC kept on coming. Oh, so now you are stupid and incompetent, Shalia pointed out. Hold on, the PC stuttered. We can fix this. How is that going to work? Shalia snapped. I'm not covering for you. Israel Jensen may not seem much of a problem for you, but he is. Better yet, this woman, she pointed to Francesca, is about to roast your chestnuts on an open fire. Miss Silverhorn hasn't broken the law and your mayor better stop abusing prescription drugs, because her plan is a fantasy. We have various points of leverage on Ms. Silverhorn, Isabel came over, seething with hate toward me. Don't get me started, Ms. Diaz, Shalia turned on my despised foe. What kind of ego-fueled obsession convinced you that a man under surveillance by a federal task force could be dragged off to one of your affairs and you would get away with it? God damn it. The woman in that pirated video was a metropolitan policewoman that was assigned by the investigation to watch over him. He was screwing her. He was sleeping with her. Hell, they hang out together. How could you possibly believe she wouldn't report the entire affair? Is there something wrong with the air in this place that makes you bitches crazy? Shalia was truly steamed. That's uncalled for, the mayor retorted. You think so? Shalia glared. You were harpooned on global television a few minutes ago. It wasn't Israel Jensen's press conference, it was yours. But, Miss Silverhorn, Isabel growled. Who is no one anyone knows, Shalia countered. We had to wait for the Metropolitan Police to arrive, the mayor was slowly going under. That's right, Shalia glared, because you couldn't use the cop who was standing right there. There is that wonderful moment when the majority of the room is going ha, huh, then realize that someone fucked up horribly. Most of the people were glad it wasn't them, but four people were the fuck-ups. 
Naomi, Isabel, the mayor and the police commissioner were the ones. The cop at the conference who could have arrested me was the police commissioner, who was a cop after all. Isabel was a consummate survivor. We'll expect your resignation on the mayor's desk in an hour, she addressed the police commissioner, who looked poleaxed. The woman gathered up her shreds of dignity and slowly walked from the room. Mr. Jensen, are you leaving? Shalia Montagnard looked my way, suddenly civil. Can I leave? I asked. Shalia nodded. I was looking at the cops who reluctantly backed off. I resumed my seat next to Francesca. Get out, Francesca whispered. With a spastic personality like mine, can I really afford to turn my back on a friend? I joked back, repeating her own description of our relationship. She was about to chastise me then stopped, I was clearly nuts. Besides, it isn't like they are letting us anywhere near the press again. All we can do is wait, but it shouldn't be long. What are we waiting for? Francesca studied me. The federal warrant to arrive, I sighed. Shalia's eyes ratcheted their intensity toward me. Top of my class, how many times does my inner child have to scream it? Could you do me a favor? Francesca requested quietly. Sure. Put your shirt on. You may be every color of the sunset, but you have really, um, good muscle definition and it's a bit distracting, she seemed embarrassed to admit. I had to fight of that bit of fear that always popped up when women got interested in me sexually. I'll do it for you, I tried to sound casual. As I was fixing my buttons, a jackass comment slipped out of my mouth. You do realize this pretty much negates having a nipple rub with Shalia during my interrogation later. That went over abysmally. I'm married, Shalia said dismissively. Oh, what did you arrest him for? I snapped off. Yes, I had just implied that law enforcement could only get a mail by putting a gun to their heads, figuratively speaking. Counterfeiting, she came right back without missing a beat. Well, I guess it doesn't matter if his passion is genuine as long as his performance feels real, I grinned. All I need is his performance, she kept any real emotion from her countenance. Why do you chose to have sex with a cop when you claim to hate them so much? I didn't want to, but I fell in love with her, I responded instinctively. No fear. You love that she'll help you attempt to escape, Shalia kept coming. Ha, I laughed. You clearly don't know Detective Christie. She still believes in your garbage. She thinks you cops are going to change and that this society should be saved. But you don't? Shalia tilted her head. Why should I if you don't, Mrs. Montagnard? I grinned. I think this society has problems, but I think it is extremely foolish and selfish to abandon it when things can be corrected, Shalia explained. I believe that as much as I believe you are married, much less to a counterfeiter, I smirked. Ah, when Miss Silverhorn introduced me, she didn't use Mrs., Shalia nodded. Got it in one, I acknowledged. I loved doing this kind of give and take in college. Why weren't you on your debate team? Bowden has a good program, Shalia probed. Do you prefer your dildo smooth, ribbed, or with those little knobs? I countered. I prefer to use my fingers, she was relentless. Just then, Angel and Seneca, my cop lover and her partner, came in. Most eyes gravitated their way. Angel's eyes flickered to me, but then focused on Shalia. The warrant should be coming through any second now, Ms. Montagnard. 
We are here to escort the detainee, Angel related calmly. Gather him up and escort him over to our offices, Shalia directed. Wait, the mayor finally spoke up. We still need him. We need to fix this mess. No, you need to fix this mess. I need to look into an investigation that goes beyond your lack of re-electability, Shalia glared. Besides, I'm leaving you Ms. Silverhorn. Actually, Ms. Montagnard, could you take Ms. Silverhorn with us, in case I might have told her something important, I all but pleaded. Perhaps if you prove helpful, Shalia offered, the federal government might intervene. Oh, sorry Francesca. You have more courage than anyone else in this room. They will neither acknowledge it nor care. All I can offer is my thanks and best wishes, I nearly wept. If I had a son that lived, she was looking teary-eyed. I saw that hit home with Officer Passy as well, she was likewise beyond my help. Mainly I couldn't trust any women on the occasional road trip the debate team would have taken. I also wanted to graduate early, I answered Shalia's earlier question. Okay, she noted. Ladies, get him out of here, Shalia directed Angel and Seneca. As I was being led away, Bethany called out. Israel? Bethany, Bethany, just remembered during a volcanic eruption, duck and cover, sort of spilled out. I knew it had no relevance to our current circumstances. I felt I had to say something. Sneaking out the back way, Seneca spoke up. Duck and cover is for a nuclear attack, she corrected me. During a volcanic eruption, you run for your life. Really? I appeared startled. So, has anyone seen Capri? You are not under arrest, Angel sighed. You are being detained under a federal material witness warrant. Wrong, I chuckled nervously. I was arrested by the police commissioner herself. Apparently, I'm a suspect in an inciting to riot investigation. The two cops looked at one another. I could tell Angel was grinning. Seneca was far less amused. I see good old Shalia hasn't enlightened you too. Now, where are we going? I resisted giggling like an idiot. Fifteenth floor of the Federation building, Angel gladly replied. Thanks, I'll make my call now, I glanced as Seneca to see if she'd stop me. She didn't. Capri, this is Israel, I greeted my lawyer buddy. I'm in the process of losing my job, but I'm on my way, Capri grumbled. What are they charging you with and where are you? Material witness warrant and I'm going to the 15th floor of the Federation building, I supplied the pertinent data. I would like to say that help is on the way, but it is me, and only me, Capri said. My boss, Francesca Silverhorn, is going down for this mess too, I faded out. I'm not likely to save you or me. I certainly can't help anyone else, Capri sounded frustrated. I believe she has some resources and can get her own legal counsel, so don't worry about it. That was pretty much that. The Federation building was close, we parked in the garage and the elevator took us to the 15th floor. I couldn't help a full body spasm seizing me when the doors opened. I had spent three years trying to be unnoticed, kept my back to the walls and eyes on the exits because I had absolutely no trust in my society to protect me. Yet here I had been in a police station, and now was at federal law enforcement office, all in two days. It wasn't that I was here, but that I had chosen the path that led me here that really rocked the foundations of my psyche. I was the responsible one. I wasn't accidentally stumbling across a car in distress. 
I wasn't stopping by to talk to a few of my girlfriend's buddies. No, this experience was all me. To be continued. I final stand for Literatica. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We hope you found pleasure and inspiration. Come back tomorrow as we continue to bring you more explicit romance tales and subscribe to our podcast feeds in your mobile devices to access our entire library of hundreds of daily episodes. Happy dreams.